you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. interesting it was great news to wake up to but i I thought really 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 smart you know because again yeah we we'll talk we'll talk later so hey this is derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com and this is the fanboy planet podcast producing and we're we're sort of again we're sequestered here or what sheltering in place and so i'm in studio city and producing from san jose rick brett snyder and so it's it's in a couple of weeks, I think. And uh, so there's not a lot of, you know, new comics news, but there's some comics news and there's some movie news and there's some TV news. Uh, a lot of TV uh, things coming because people are home watching TV, streaming services up. And we will talk about what we think might be of most interest to you, the listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. That's not what really happens with podcasts. You don't really quite tune in anymore. No, it's. Uh, for finding us, I guess, downloading. So anyway, anything that we do talk about on t- on this episode that you would like to own for yourself and can do so legally and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store and you were going to go to Amazon anyway, if that's the case, anything uh, that you do order through the Amazon search box on Fanboy Planet, because we are affiliated, can generate some re- revenue for us. And so we would appreciate that. Each and every page of fanboyplanet.com does have a search box and and many articles have direct links to items that we talk about and so there may be some in this very podcast page i don't know yet because we haven't put it together yet mm. but uh so there you go and if you would like to just help defray the cost of hosting a podcast you can uh, not the psychic cost of hosting a podcast but the but the financial that uh, you can go to paypal and donate directly to editor at fanboyplanet.com although really in these tough Times I would say there's probably better uh, charities to donate money to. Not that I'm I'm making you. I'm just saying I understand. But if you'd like to join the conversation in uh, some way, shape, or form, you can write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. That's where I receive questions, comments, compliments, compliments. I love those commentary and criticism. So you can write in there. You can also join our Facebook Fanboy Planet page. Uh, that is Fanboy Planet on Facebook. You can find us there. You can follow us on Twitter at Fanboy Planet and Instagram, or I believe it's the kids today are calling it Insta at uh, Fanboy Planet. So you sense the theme, and we would love to hear from you. And there have been a few comments, like uh, I will say up front, I started running a new video series uh, from a lighting designer friend of mine going into the lighting of storytelling the storytelling of lighting in video games and the first one was uh was star wars jedi fallen order and uh so we got back just kind of hey that was great so i appreciate hearing that uh from uh reader or listener chayton whiskey so thanks chayton and uh so let's uh go ahead and talk uh, about comics news shall we we should Rick? yeah we should and this is i'm just bringing up we uh of few weeks ago we talked about the virtual comic con and virtual conventions and i've been sitting here waiting for comic con international to say something i knew that WonderCon had done a virtual version and uh today comic con announced comic con at home for july i believe it's 21st to 24th that's what they're saying the details are unsure they i i had seen some rumblings from people uh friends on facebook who said that at Comic-Con was asking for uh, pitches for potential virtual panels, and I nothing more than that. And so nothing has been solidly announced as far as how you would get in, how how you could join, join there, but it is there. They did say that Comic-Con has every intention of coming back to the San Diego Convention Center in 2021, July 22nd to July 25th, 
and they will consider that a return to normal, though even in, in 2021, I'm not sure what normal is going to look like. But I don't know why I was strangely heartened by even Comic-Con at home. Uh, even though I have not really attended that much in the way of virtual conventions, just the idea that maybe I can pretend that Comic-Con's happening. Uh, virtual is, is virtual Pop Expo was this past weekend, and it worked pretty good. Did it? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Had a lot of good panels, a lot of uh, really interesting people, and a dealer room that could have used some some improvements, but it was better than expected. So when you go through a dealer room, is it just, I mean, what do they do? A page comes up with uh, like a catalog of what they have? Well, they were using, uh, so most of the convention was either on YouTube or in Facebook um, meetings, but they were using an application called Oxit, A-U-X-X-I-T. Yeah. Okay. We talked about that on the previous one. All right. And, and it basically, it manages chats so you can talk with whoever owns the booth about the products that they have for sale. You can go through their catalog and you can order right there. And they can even do things like auctions and you can see what's been selling and kind of interesting. Um, I had some problems with it because it took a long time to kind of like walk through the dealers because you had to go up and down menus, but um, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. something that could be fixed. You know, they just need to treat it like a database. All right. Well, then I think each and every time a convention happens, the, the next one will have learned from what happened before yep. and improvements will be happening. And I think, you know, we're once again rapidly approaching the metaverse and, and uh, which does remind me that Snow Crash is one of the series coming to HBO Max, which will launch at the end of, of May. But I don't think that Snow Crash is quite ready. But uh, I've been reading a lot of talk in serious newspapers about the metaverse happening. And I think that virtual Comic Cons are, are proof that it, it very well could. And so when I say I don't know what a return to normal looks like is maybe we will get used to this. And maybe people will find they prefer it. And then we'll become... Mark Wade and Barry Kitson's version of Legion of Superheroes in the 30th century, where everybody just stays in their homes and interacts that way. I hope not. And that's what I think every day <laughs> when this is going on. Do you remember that that version? No, I Legion? don't. I don't. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's not post-crisis. What? What? <laughs> which altering? <laughs> which reality-altering event? Was it the? Did they have one for the that? New Fifty Two? It wasn't. It, it was before New Fifty Two. Okay. It was after Zero Hour. So maybe it was after Infinite Crisis. Could have been. Maybe. Yeah. But there was. So there was a. There was a series, and and they did the best they could, but they were very handcuffed by DC, uh, by editorial as to you know who they could use, uh, what they wanted to do, and I, I think basically one of the things was they had to have a Legion of Superheroes that had not. They were told had not been influenced by the twentieth, twenty first century superheroes, oh, which had been part of the entire. Oh, sure, and it's lore. back that way again. Yes, yes. Uh, I just read uh, the last issue that had come out of Legion of Superheroes. That is a good book. That is a. I a am enjoying book. the heck out of it. Yeah, you know. So I, I mean, this is one thing about cutting down. I had just the, I had this bag small bag from the last time I was up in Northern California and, and picked up my books, my many, many books from the last time that things have been shipped. And it was really, it was Legion of Superheroes and the Immortal Hulk. Uh -huh. And so I thought I, I couldn't have asked for two better books to read and distract me. And it took for it, but it took me so long to get to that bag. It was like, when I finally did this week, I was like, Oh, those were great. I'm really both of those books terrific. Yep. I love this take on the Legion. I really do. So there's that. I do want to speaking. Well, it's not really of Legion of Superheroes, but uh, in the comics, just acknowledge uh, two pretty major figures, but maybe not known figures uh, passed away this past uh, over the past few days. Richard Sala, who was an indie artist with a lot of books from Fantagraphics, but uh, really. I think he'd done some work for Mad Magazine as well. So uh, seen his art all over the place. Mike Allred had pointed out like he was the first artist to jump on board and give him a madman pinup when he was starting. So oh. uh, an artist who had reached out, he was only like 57 or 58. And 
the one that hit me hard because he had been a panelist on the Profan Trivia match at Comic-Con. Uh, we met there and had stayed in touch through Facebook for the, over the past few years. Martin Pasco. And I really want to call out Marty Pasco, who had not only uh, an obituary in the Hollywood Reporter, the New York Times, and the Times of India. Uh, you know, so this this resonated. And if you aren't recognizing the name, believe me, as uh, former DC Comics publisher Paul Levitt said, you've read or enjoyed his work without having any idea that it was him. Also, and not, not very old, only 65. No, only 65. Natural causes is what they're saying. Uh, he had posted on Friday, uh, it, you know, about that he didn't want to be called a progressive. He was a liberal and he was proud. And he had changed his uh, banner, you know, his cover photo to uh, Peter Finch and Network. Mad as hell and I'm not going to take uh -huh. it anymore. And then Monday morning I woke up and all of our mutual friends were saying – he had passed. Uh, he had started as a fanzine writer, Fantazine, with Alan Brennert, also one of my favorite uh, comics writers that you may not know. But they, these are also multimedia writers. And so to people that, that, that don't know, and, and why it's worth saying is, to, in the brief time that I knew him, everything he was saying, he was super humble about his work. He It wasn't exactly dismissive. I'd like to say that in the last year, it seemed like he was starting to realize because he was having so much interaction on Facebook with people that like, liked his work that he was starting to accept that, oh, I wrote some Superman stories and you liked them. But he did, uh, to me, I, I'd say three major things that, will, that have affected pop culture permanently. Uh, he was actually the person who wrote the saga of the Swamp Thing before Alan Moore. So he re relaunched that under Len Wein's editorship and got to what issue 17 or 18 before Alan Moore stepped in. So he was the one who made it a strong enough concept that DC was willing to keep it going. And it's kind of an underrated run because of course it's overshadowed by Alan Moore, you know, basically changing everything and becoming Alan Moore almost overnight. But Martin was the guy who would really, you know, made it sing. And I think it was with Tom Yates. I want to say it was the artist. I believe you're right. Uh, and it's, um, I know it's collected somewhere. So I think when we put up the fanboy planet, uh, the, the podcast page, I have to find the, the link to what volume it is. Cause I think it's set that I think you can get it both in the omnibus, but you can also get just a collection of that. And it's I'm really pretty sure it's, it's in the omnibus. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not in the omnibus. I have, um, cause I have all the, the, the stuff kind of like stops right before saga of the swamp thing revived, um, revived the character, but he did that. He worked on, he went to animation. Uh, and I do want to say he was actually a staff writer on the first season of Roseanne, which he loved telling horror stories, scarier than any issue of swamp thing. Um, but, uh, he worked on many shows in animation. One of the most crucial being Thundar, the barbarian, and he is the man who named Ukla <laughs> the Mock. And you know why he's called Ukla the Mock? I do not know that. Okay. Because he and Steve Gerber were walking in Westwood by the UCLA sign. And he said, oh, Ukla. <laughs> oh. So, and so thus, thus Ukla the Mock was born. And, uh, and that was a show you know, designed by Jack Kirby. So no. Oh, yeah. No small thing there, and kind of, again, an underrated, maybe under-remembered, but pretty important show, uh, for, because for Saturday morning cartoons, it really raised the bar. It was uh, it was pretty much Commandi redone with a sure adult character. And that was when when Kirby was on the outs with DC, and so, yeah, yeah he took Commandi and made it into a show. But uh, I think the thing that resonates with me that I, I will always be grateful to him for is there was a weird development of the animated Batman film mask of the phantasm which was the only one that was released theatrically and that was that warner brothers asked alan burnett to write it and it, so what he did was he alan burnett divided up into three acts uh, like outlined it knew what the store the vague outline of the story was and assigned each act to a writer that he uh, wanted to, uh, that he thought would, would handle it best. And Martin Pasco had act two, which is the romance and with Andrea 
the you know I, I won't say who she the mysterious Andrea his friend from childhood that he that Bruce Wayne falls in love with voiced by and, voiced by Dana Delaney voiced by Dana Delaney and this is one of you know to me it is a line of dialogue a moment in Batman film history that I don't think any of the live action films ever came close to touching but you could say that about Batman of the animated series so many of those things made oh, yeah. you know you'd rather show people the cartoon and say this is why we care. <laughs> you know about this yeah. character but it is when he realized he was in love with andrea and he spoke to his parents grave and says i forgive me i didn't count on being happy yeah and that was the most heartbreaking moment when i watched that movie uh and it is you know and it, and it has always stuck with me and that was martin pasco who wrote that relationship and understood it's a, it. it's a great movie it's got a great twist that a lot of people you just don't see coming it's got uh, a fabulous soundtrack. Although infamously, infamously spoiled by a toy line. So of course, yes. Don't don't look on eBay. Yeah, uh, um, but <laughs> but uh, I I still to this day own the soundtrack to that movie because it's just so good. Oh, because it's beautiful. That's yeah. Shirley. Uh, I want to say it's not Shirley Bassey. That's wrong. Shirley Walker. Oh. Shirley Walker did the uh, orchestral score, and she had scored the, uh, the the series too, but. I mean, again, you're right. Underrated music, but I don't want to take. I, I, I don't want to talk about Batman the animated series. I want to talk about Martin Pasco and right. 65. Too young. Apparently, he had been ill for for a while, but and it's not like we were close at all. So I, it's not a surprise that I didn't know. But I think a lot of a lot of friends who were closer to him, um, much closer, were taken really by surprise. So uh, great work seek him out he'd also done uh he revived dr fate with walt simonson oh yeah 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 so you can get a that significant a, a significant paperback. redesign and that is one heck of a great run yeah. too so yeah. you know i think he did metal men as well so i mean again like so many books that that you'd know uh, you know that you'd know but you maybe didn't realize it was him and and again terrific stuff so uh as you and i were talking uh that there are new comics coming back, shipping slowly over the next couple of weeks. Diamond has committed to delivering next week. Uh, DC has some books coming out this week through their, I won't say independent distribution channels, but they're not Diamond. And I don't want to get into the inside baseball of it because I don't really know all the inside. I've, I've been too busy to uh, pay it too much attention to the ins and outs because all I know is right now I can't get to a comic book store. Uh, you know, you and I are recording from California. Most have been shut down yeah. right now. Um, so I think this is the week that they're starting to slowly be you know, on a county by county basis in California. I don't know. I've been in touch with mine and uh, Neil at hijinks says that they will be doing curbside pickup of comics on the 20th. Yeah. No, elusive had done, uh, had been doing delivery and, and curbside, but, uh, you know, I wasn't there and really I picked up every book that I had paid for and then nothing new shipped, you know, so there was nothing there, but these are things coming over. Uh, Marvel, uh, will be resuming next week. As you mentioned, there's like action lab and boom and dark horse and image will have some things over the next few weeks. It's still not going to be a lot, which I really appreciate from the publishers because, Again, not everybody in the country can get to a store or get books. Even hopefully, if, hopefully even if their store can do curbside. Hopefully, they'll print enough for people who have to catch up later. You know, I think that I think that is the plan. I I I, I, would, I shouldn't put words in anybody's mouth, but I believe that I read Ross Ritchie talking about that. Uh, and Boom Studios is one of the first to really rally. I mean, many publishers did. I, don't get me wrong. Rally around the comic book stores because right now the model is, you know, the comic book stores we've talked said many times is the community and it's kind of important to have it still around. But Marvel has done something that's been somewhat controversial and I, I honestly don't know how I feel about it, which is that some of their lower selling titles that have been ongoing or miniseries where it was really hard to justify finishing them up, they've gone to digital only saying that later they will gather into a trade into a hard copy into trade paperback. But uh, as I said, Strange Academy is one of those 
that's going that's going digital only. So right. you can buy Comicsology, which is the other thing. Interestingly, and this feels like the '90s when they bought Heroes World and realized they didn't know how to run a distribution system. Uh, just as they announced that they were going to digital, some books were going digital only. They announced that they are no longer selling digital comics through Marvel Comics. The funny thing is, I think Strange Academy is still one of the books that's going to be delivered on the twentieth. So maybe the issue is following that they're just going to be digital only. I think it's on the I think it's on the release list, but that yeah. doesn't mean it's going to deliver. I think it's I think that me that just means it's one of the new books they're putting out and they're treating them as the same. Yeah. Uh, I, I know there was a Hawkeye miniseries that I also have to say I didn't know there was a Hawkeye miniseries, but I read it. I read the title and went and saw people upset because they've been buying hard copies and now you can't finish the individual. You know, well, copies. if they do follow up with uh, with graphic novels later, that'll be what DC did to me, which was when they were finishing their last Doc Savage series. Oh, Doc did, Savage is digital only, the last issue. Yeah. The last issue is only digital, and it's never been collected in a graphic novel. Because they don't have the rights to do it anymore. Yeah. So, yes. Although whoever has, whoever has the rights obviously can, can do it, because that's what DC did with Marvel's. Um, older books. Right, so. but, that, but that's why I broke down and joined Comixology. Yeah. <laughs> was because I wanted to get that last Doc Savage. I actually, um, so, I, I, I got, I got my Comixology, I did, and I did prints of all the, all the pages, so I have a hard copy of the last one. Of course you do, of course you do, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, I, I would just say, it, but from the publisher's point of view, as much as that sucked for us as Doc Savage fans, somebody may collect that material later. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that view, great a series. No, it wasn't. But it, but you know, we like having our Doc Savage stuff. Yes. I, but, but from a publisher's point of view, it is still a business. And if they're and having, you know, written for a couple of companies, well, three that no longer exist, the overhead for a book that's only selling two or three thousand copies at most. It's it's almost impossible to make anything that you could even pretend to call a profit, and so you know if you're if you're shipping, but if you're digital, and I talked to Richard Starkings about this last summer because his uh, series Ask for Mercy is on Comicsology, he's a Comicsology original, and Elephant Man, any continuation of Elephant Man is going to be right. it, or has been on Comicsology only yes. because he pointed out to me he can get it right to them. He sells, and if somebody wants a hard copy, it's print-on-demand, and I bought one of his trades uh, last summer at Comic-Con. It eventually will make it to my Isolation Stack series. Um, and, you, you know, print-on-demand was just as good as any trade paperback I had from Image, who had done all the Elephant Man stuff, uh, you know, or Dark Horse or DC. You know, it, it was fine quality, print-on-demand, and he really only had – he didn't have to keep stock on hand. And he got the mo- you know, money up front, and as a, crea- as a creator-owned series – it made a lot of sense because even Image, they got to make some money. They can't. They don't just say, "We'll publish your book and hope that hope for the best." You know, they they got to make some money too. So, um, you know, it, it it does make sense. It's just it's just hard. One of the Boom Studios books that will be coming out this summer, I thought you would be excited, so I added this in. Is that I realized it was already novelized, but I, but Boom Studios is going to publish the twelve issue Dune prequel. House Atreides, which is actually adapted by the original authors Brian Herbert, Frank Herbert's son, and Kevin, Kevin J. Anderson, Anderson. Yeah. which I believe then the whole thing was from an outline left by Frank Herbert, or did I mis- misunderstand? It was indeed. Uh, there's a lot longer story, but at the last minute before they started it off on their own new direction, um, uh, Herbert's wife turned over a shoebox full of stuff that turned out to be the outline for a number of uh, novels that we're going forward well all right so uh i that's gonna be good for dune fans i mean this is i was gonna say it's gonna be the year of dune i mean i see so much excitement about the new film and uh, there's a prequel miniseries or or a spin-off miniseries happening on hbo max again at the end of the month you know so to add it to comics makes perfect sense i know marvel had done a super special adapting the david lynch film but other than that and again, you would know better than I. Have there been any other Dune comics? No. So no. this is a first. Good for Boom. Good for yep. Boom Studios. 
Uh, Ross Ritchie is one of my favorite people in comics, so I'm always happy when they're doing well. So let's talk about movies, which are you know increasingly becoming television, uh, because one of Warner Animation's big events for this year was supposed to be the release of the animated Scooby-Doo. Well, because I guess they had had a live-action Scooby-Doo movie, a couple. Uh, the film Scoob, which was going to be the big-screen debut of The Blue Falcon and Dynamut and Captain Caveman, uh, was supposed to come out this Friday and has now been turned into a digital release, possibly because Trolls World Tour made over $100 million by being a digital release. Um, so, you know, i, I got to ask you that question, uh, I was I was vaguely interested. I would have gone on a Tuesday night and waited. Um, would you pay twenty bucks? Of course, you know because you you might not be the only person in your household who will watch the film. Um, not. I'm not saying for sure, but I probably wouldn't. Yeah, that's the, and that is the hard part. Is the twenty dollars? You know, if you've got a family, like the Trolls World Tour made perfect sense to me. If you have two, two or three kids, one kid, one or more children who for whom trolls would have been the uh, you know the target audience spending 20 bucks and being able to watch it three times over a weekend like my dad used to do when we would when you had to rent VCRs right way back in the day right right you know you get one tape yeah and we're watching watch it again <laughs> five or six times yeah, yeah. oh and that yeah so anyway uh, that made a lot of sense uh, it's harder for me I you know I, I have I have rented a few. I gotta check. I gotta boot up my PlayStation to see if I actually own uh, Bloodshot. I'm not positive because that was a Sony release, and I think because of PlayStation, I might actually own it. Um, my but, problem you know, right now is I've still got a ton of stuff to watch. Sure, you know, it's like I, I, can I wait on some of the stuff? I'm, I'm trying to get in two or three movies a month. Um, you know, when they when they first released the like The Invisible Man and The Hunt. Um, I did three nights in a row and rented and Emma cause I really wanted to see Emma. So, you know, I rented those. And then when bloodshot came out, I was like, well, I would have gone to see bloodshot in the theater. So I have a great yeah. story related to this. So we were, we were, uh, playing the, you don't know, Jack, uh, mm-hmm. online stuff with friends over, uh, over zoom, the Jackbox and games, right? the Jackbox games. So we were playing one of the trivia ones and the trivia had to do with which, actor in this list did not play Dracula. So there were four actors and one of them was Adam Sadler. Well, I had just recently just on a whim Transylvania. I had watched all three of the hotel Transylvania. I was the only person out of eight of us who got that right. Cause I, I chose not seen the third one. Yeah. Cause I knew that Adam Sandler had played Dracula, you know, and I want to say they are, they're More charming little movies. Yeah, they're, and they're... I enjoyed Adam Sandler in that. That's the most yeah. I've enjoyed Adam Sandler in a role <laughs> in years. Yes, uh, but you know, to that point, I would like to say this. You know, this came in uh, that uh, the idea of Jendi Tartakovsky, who yep. directed yep. Uh, Transylvania, he had pitched a Popeye film a few years ago, and it had oh, died. Interesting. It is revived. You know, because the the thing right now is in Hollywood animation. They're not sure when they're gonna. Yeah, they're not sure when when production live action production can start again. Right. So suddenly animation projects are looking really good. You know, like I, I you, you may have seen because we we've, we've interviewed him and uh, uh, you know he's a San Jose boy, Kurt Kenny, uh, the guy. Uh, you know, we, we met him at Cinequest and he was the editor on Bat Kid Begins. Well, he's been directing episodes of The Blacklist, and they had f- shot half of the fin- season finale. And he suggested, because of his experience editing Bat Kid Begins, where they interspersed comic book panels, to finish the finale with the voice tracks, have the cast record the voices, and do it as do the half of the episode as a comic book on screen. Oh, interesting. So. so Strangely enough, the CW uh, Arrowverse shows have not figured that out, uh, particularly the ones based on comic books. But, you know, <laughs> it's like I would do that anyway. Uh, but I want to stay, stay on movies because there are a couple of things here. Uh, if you have been able to go to a grocery store, they are full of Doritos bags with ads for Wonder Woman 1984, which is just making me sad. Yes. But uh, there's a rumor this week that Amazon may be buying AMC, which fire sale. Fire sale, yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? 
Um, there was a flurry of activity. I posted screenshots last week from Cinefx magazine of New Mutants, which showed up for like an hour on pre-sale on Amazon and was hurriedly took, taken down. And Disney doubled down last night and said, no, absolutely. The New Mutants is going to have a theatrical release. And I just don't know how or when, and I'm ready, you know, release it on Hulu. I, I'm, I'm ready to see it. Um, you know, I, cause I, I just don't know at this point, somebody's already taken the loss. They had to have taken the loss like two years ago when this thing was first shot. And it's been three years since the trailer came out. Uh, so, you know, over since the first trailer came out. So it, it is, it was, should have been out, I think last month and then all this hit. So it's already missed like three release dates. So if not now, when just let me see new mutants, um, which categorizes as TV. So I'm going to skip down there as we, uh, to TV, we did, we were greeted the, this Tuesday, fine Tuesday morning by the news from Lin-Manuel Miranda and variety that Disney plus, uh, Disney having bought the rights to the, how should we say the record copy, if you will, of the original cast of Hamilton performing Hamilton, and they were scheduled to release it theatrically in 2021. They announced Tuesday morning that they will release it on Disney Plus on July 3rd, which is a fantastic patriotic gift to the to the nation. However, I don't think most of us are going to be able to watch it until July 5th because their servers will immediately crash at 12.02 July 3rd. Uh, I don't know yeah. which time zone, but... Uh, considering all of them, like all of them, when it first launched, it, it was problematic getting in to watch the Mandalorian. And then I guess on, on May 4th, when they had all th- all nine, I was going to say all three, when they okay, added all 11, all 11 movies in the star Wars trilogy were released. Uh, that's inc- I'm including rogue one and solo. Uh, they were all there uh, on the fourth. Apparently it was a pain to get in and the internet is hit hard no matter anyway, because so many people are using it constantly right now. You, you know, if you're working from home and you are video conferencing, that's a hit, you know? So, uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. I am so excited to see this, this film, but I don't think I'm going to get to watch it until after the 4th of July. But I'll, I'll listen to the cast album. All right. So The Mandalorian remains on schedule. I'm still on Disney+. Plus. There have been lots of rumored castings. And Drew Campbell reminded me today to say these are rumored castings. Yes, he did. Uh, he was very soft. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but, he, but he's right. You know, uh, I let an article go through. And I still, I just, uh, still did. To, uh, tonight, I, I, I rewrote it a little bit. Because I completely understand the enthusiasm, and if you just read headlines, it seems like this is a done deal. But every single, even like this is the Hollywood Reporter and Variety, are yeah. going back to Slash Film. The same, they're all citing the same article, saying, "Well, we've had it confirmed from several sources." But even back to Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka uh, Tano, Lucasfilm hasn't said word one. And I think I, I, I'm, I, you know, I have to to quote Drew Campbell. He said they were able to keep the existence of the child a secret, right? Until the Mandalorian hit, you think Disney can't keep casting a secret? Well, now to be fair, um, I think we all agree that they kept it secret by not not doing the toy manufacturing. I agree with that. And they're not making toys of Rosario Dawson or Tamura Morrison or Katie Sackhoff. Right. Because the other thing is, if if they are indeed in the cast, and I'd be as, as excited as anybody, uh, you know, but I think part of it is, is wish fulfillment tying this so much more closely to Clone Wars and Rebels, which, again, I'm not against in theory, um, that... Uh, that you know the, these leaks keep coming out is like they've joined the cast. No filming on Mandalorian season two is done. Now it's all post production because they said there is nothing that season two is will not miss its previously announced uh, release date. And they also confirmed a season three. 
which again is a no-brainer. If if John Favreau has three seasons to tell, they better let him have three seasons to tell it. You know, so we shall see. But I have been reading several articles in the last few days where Favreau's method of shooting, in which everything was digital on a soundstage, and there yeah. were a few few practical props, and the costumes were real, uh, that is made it one of the safest productions in town, and uh, it is. You know, a model. Hollywood is looking and trying to figure out if they can adapt their shows to that. And we talked about that, I think, the last podcast. How you know you're looking at Avatar, and I said Captain, um, not Captain Midnight, Sky Captain, and the Sky World Captain, the World of Tomorrow, yeah, yeah, uh, which sort of based on Captain Midnight, but anyway, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Uh, those films, as well as Jungle Book, Lion King, and and The Mandalorian, are largely digital productions showing a way that you can sort of create that you can create an environment without having people really be out in a risky area. So if you can take an entire hire a crew and say, you know what, because they do this all the time, you know, like if you're filming on location, I mean, I know this Derek Mears was in North Carolina for three months shooting swamp thing away from everybody he knew in LA. And I may be exaggerating how long, but it was a while. Uh, but I think that's what he told me and that when, you know, they, so they, they take casts and crew and take them away and have them basically live with each other as a family for the duration of a production. So why not have it like a hotel adjacent to us or, or a, <laughs> you know, a, almost like a hostel, uh, adjacent to, to a soundstage. And so they can really keep, uh, you know, everybody safe uh, allegedly or reduce the, the risk of, of, COVID getting in and, you know, constantly test and so forth and, and quarantine and isolate as they need to, but it's very controlled and it wouldn't necessarily reduce the quality of, of the production. So it's, it's interesting. I think live, I think films are going to have to do that because, you know, studios keep announcing new projects and green lighting new projects. And not only do we have a list of shows that are coming, but if, if production doesn't resume soon, uh, you know, then, there's still a need for content, which to, to the point is that the CW has gone to two of its affiliated streaming services and cherry picked some content to make it seem like it's new. The CW picked up the 10 episodes of Swamp Thing to broadcast on that uh, on the CW over the airwaves, as well as to say on CW Seed, uh, which is their free digital service as well, and from CBS All Access, uh, Tell Me a Story, which I haven't watched at all. Have you watched that one? No, I have not. I've been meaning to. Yeah, it looks interesting, but again, it's one of those, there's so many other things, the so many other stories good. that I'm trying to consume, but... Yeah. You were going to say? I said the buzz on it's good. Yeah, except they canceled it today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, Monday, CW announces that they're going to—they're picking up the two seasons of Tell Me a Story, and Tuesday, CW, CBS Fall Access says we will not be doing a third season. So, but you know, because the thing is, I think CBS All Access. Another thing that happened with that last week was they got over 200 Paramount movies because Paramount is affiliated with CBS, and uh, you know, because the two the TV and the movie divisions have finally merged back together. So I think we're done. We may be done with the Kelvin timeline in Star Trek. So you have the movies, you have the Twilight Zone, a second season of Twilight Zone is about to hit, and they are really, you know, I think a, a strength of a lot of their subscribers are because of being how much Star Trek they have, which is, by the way, all the Star Trek, all yes. of it. Yes. And uh, and even some of the series are, uh, the older series are still available on Netflix and I, yeah, and Netflix. Um, I, I think when those those contracts expire, it'll all just become C- CBS All Access uh, exclusively, and and they've got this, the new Star Trek content as well. So we shall see. But there is a huge list. I'm hoping, though, however, I do want to say that if Swamp Thing does well on the CW, as apparently, allegedly, it has done very well overseas, that this could mean that that the crew gets to come back and do a second season. They'll of do Swamp of the Swamp Thing. Well, did you finish the series? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it, it was clearly set. I mean, it ended clearly setting up the second season. Sure. And you know, and, and the, I recently published both for Journey Planet and on Fanboy Planet the interview with Derek, kind of a postmortem and a little, going a little deeper into what was going on with it with the series as far as plot wise. And you know, I, I know that there were. And it should be no surprise. You know, there there were there were plans. There were plenty of plans as as there should have been. You know, because it, it the only reason that series may not be as great as it could have been is because it was truncated, and you can tell when it got truncated. You know, so yeah, uh, I'm hoping that means season two, we, but that is just the wish I put out into the universe. So we got a list. Uh, don't cry for them. You know, they've got they're they're burning through a lot of 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 content, genre content in the next month or so. Uh, and it, it, as I think I mentioned to, to Rick right beforehand, uh, Netflix just announced today that, that they uh, that they've greenlit uh, Sweet Tooth, which is a Vertigo series by Jeff Lemire, about a half man, half boy, half deer, who tries to survive in kind of a post-viral landscape. Um, and they said they just they they just greenlit it, but I think the pilot has been shot because I read an interview with one of the actors, in which he said he was already filming it. So and that was weeks ago. So. You know, uh, I think at least one episode of that is done. Uh, but we've got Snowpiercer, the television adaptation of uh, of the film by Bong Joon Ho, who um, was uh, that series debuts on TNT May seventeenth. So wait a minute, that's this week. Um, and I hadn't realized how many books they actually put out for that series. Well, it's at least a, at least a trilogy of graphic novels. Yeah. Right. At least. Or graphic I think, albums, I think they're French. I think there's there's a trilogy and there's a prequel. Um, I think the prequel was commissioned after the film, though. Okay. Because Titans publishing them, and I think that was something they they kind of commissioned new material. It's and my dim a, recollection. I could be totally the, wrong, and somebody can write in and correct. There's me. the Escape. There's Terminus and the Explorers, and then there's the prequel. Yeah, so it would be interesting. Although, really, right now, I, I don't want to see how it came about. I just am accepting the the train, you know, sure. as, a, as a as a thing. So that's coming. Star Girl is debuting on May eighteenth on DC Universe, and then May nineteenth on the CW. And you know, I'm reading articles again that with HBO Max launching, you know, DC Universe is getting smaller and smaller. I'm willing for six bucks if they can sh- a month if they shift it over to just being a comics app like Marvel Comics Unlimited, I'll be okay because I know I'm going to have to subscribe to HBO Max anyway. And if you shift all that programming over there, all right. But for now, the Star the Star Girl episodes will be longer on DC Universe than they will be on CW. So for whatever that may be worth to you, they're doing a graphic novel collection of all the. Um, Stargirl and Stripe and the you know, like three or four yeah, other books. I think I linked to it the last uh, uh, the last time I ran a trailer like two or three weeks ago. Okay. And, which was, it was funny because I had been about to write that I was like, why is this out of print? And then, yeah, it's coming back. Yeah. I, you know, and, and that's fun comics. I mean, they really are good. Well, I, I hadn't seen the, the preview that shows all the Justice Society stuff. Mm-hmm. And that looks really exciting. It's an interesting, it's an interesting take, and so we'll see there. Uh, Perry Mason, which I don't know if I want to call it a prequel, but thirty nineteen thirties set uh, miniseries uh, launched on HBO well, in what, June. Didn't David Evelyn said it was only appropriate that it was yes, uh, because the original Perry Mason novels yeah. appeared in the thirties. Yeah. yeah, and this was a series. It's a series uh, uh, produced by Robert Downey Jr., who is, by the way, also the producer on Sweet Tooth. He's ah. making uh, making a play for television production in a big big way, and he was originally going to play Perry Mason, and then I think it was uh, Doolittle uh, filming took too long, so they cast uh, someone else as Perry Mason. But I I do I think I have somewhere in my stuff, and maybe I'll I'll find it maybe on Instagram. Uh, I happened to walk by when they had had one of the sets set up in downtown downtown LA. So I have some photos of the sets on the day they were filming. I didn't, cool. I didn't get to take photos of any of the people, but, uh, I kind of put out to my friends on Facebook, just like, what, uh, 
what show is this? And so they said Perry Mason, because it was very clearly the 30s, and we looked it up. Uh, a co-worker and I were sitting there, and we looked it up, and it was they recreated a drugstore that used to be at the foot of Angel's Flight, but was, you know, it had been torn down in like 1938, but there was a photo. It was like perfect recreation. So uh, I can't speak to the to the, the the scripts, but the production design is lush. So uh, Rick and Morty returned. I did want to also point out that co-creator Justin Roiland launched a new series on Hulu that is pretty much Rick and Morty called Solar Opposites. Uh, so that just launched last week as well. So if you if if you need more Rick and Morty in your life, Solar Opposites is a very similar take. Did you and watch? Did you watch Never Ricking Morty? No, I have not watched any of the new Rick and Morty stuff yet. The so. episode six of season four is the most mind bending um meta Then I look I look forward it, to it. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna be honest and I'd be intrigued if you give in and watch Solar Opposites. I've marked it down. I uh, I watched the pilot and I'll be honest, I thought I I d I don't know that I needed two shows like Rick and Morty. Like I need I like Rick and Morty. And Solar Opposites they're all aliens. And and you know, and then I thought back and I went I didn't like the first episode of Rick and Morty either, and then it grew on me. So maybe Solar Opposites will, but the main character in Solar Opposites is Justin Roiland voicing as well, and he sounds like Rick. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, the attitude's very much the same, and if you like that sense of humor, which I do, I just need to give it another shot, I guess, but I maybe I wasn't in the right mood. So it's just hard for me to recommend. However, I can recommend that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is returning to ABC on May 27th, and Pat Oswalt tweeted today that he was indeed returning. Oh, yeah. But you won't believe what role. Uh, you know, he's teasing that, so I don't know. Um, yet another brother? I don't know. He's going to be at? No. Oh, never mind. Friday, May 15th, Netflix uh, brings back uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, which I haven't watched that. And i got to say that the only thing of She-Ra that I ever watched, I watched the movie that was in theaters, Secret of the Sword. Was that what it was called? Um, I, I, I never the watched the movie back in the eighties cause I worked in the movie theater that had it. So I've, I watched it. I've heard time. really good things. This is, this is the, this is the, oh, I've heard great things about this, this is the version that came out in 2018. Now it's available on Netflix again. So well, it's been available on Netflix all along. I yeah. mean, this is the revival. I mean, this is the third season. Right. So right. Back. Yeah. And then Friday, May 29th, Netflix also has space force starring Steve Carell in what we call this, a satire about what's going to happen with the actual Space Force that uh, Donald Trump... I was, I was thinking an accurate prediction of the future. Okay, an accurate prediction of the future. Yeah. Okay, so is it Space Force, is it Omega Man, or Planet of the Apes that you think is going is most accurate? You know, like the, meta, like the mime go, meme <laughs> like the meme goes, oh, why just one? Absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I don't mean to be better yeah um so <laughs> let's go back hey how about you know that legion superheroes that was great and uh you know i, I so you can uh, uh that's it's all i wanted to talk about for tv maybe i'll catch up on a little tv tonight um can i do my psa now PSA. okay so we've talked about comiXology unlimited but i don't think either one of us had signed up for it have you uh, i did yeah. No, no, I didn't because I keep forgetting to read comics on Comicsology. Because right. I, 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 I'll say, I downloaded a bunch of comics from the from the free Comic Day on Facebook, and I promised to read them, and I haven't yet. So, Comicsology, of course, they have a free period where you can get it, and then it's it's all of six dollars a month. So, I said I'm going to give this a month, and I I went through and I said, okay, what do I want to read here? And I came away with just like an a list of stuff um mouse guard all uh, these are all graphic novels so it's not single issues no the there's mouse, terrific material on there but you know I, mouse guards 1152 lumberjanes that's a great w- series why the last man warren ellis is no rick why <laughs> warren ellis's transmetropolitan um is Both? that a scarily accurate prediction too? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's scary. Yeah. Um, Spencer and Locke. 
both both uh, volume one and volume two are available. Which I admit it's not to be snide. It's like, well, I, I have them, <laughs> but you know, right, right, yeah. but 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 other people. And one that I had forgotten that I I there are other people. I, what are they like? I, I haven't I, seen any. Kurt Busick's Autumn Lands, which uh, that is, was a good series. It's a beautiful series, and uh, two volumes of that. So I mean, yeah. at when you think about okay. I know I'm just borrowing them. I can read them, but you can keep them out as long as you want. <laughs> like whatever, what are you going to do? Which for I admit s- is better than Hoopla. Yeah, for six dollars a month, it's like this is amazing. And then just the stuff that I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff here, like the Expanse Origins, and you can go back and read Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen the, from the Kirby days. Uh, this is just as as much as I enjoy Marvel Unlimited. It's a lot of stuff I've already read. But they've got like the Eternal Warrior from the uh, from the Valiant reboot, the first original yeah. Pound Valiant reboot. They have all the um, TKO stuff, so pound per pound. Um, oh, no, that's impressive. I, yeah. I didn't realize they had T- TKO. I mean, again, yes, I have that, but I've got I've got a stack of unread TKO stuff I need to get yeah. through. So, um, so if you don't have a stack of this stuff already, this is uh, they've got the the entire Doc Savage archives of the black and white series from Marvel. Which of course which, I think we have her two, in two or three different volumes, but uh, it is, which is the best comic version of Doc Savage. I know, it, and absolutely is. Yes, yeah. and you and, and what what this is all reminding me as I talk about my stack is like going, oh, maybe it's a good thing that uh, there are no conventions for me to go to this week this year because <laughs> uh, I've, I've been reading some great stuff, but it's been sitting around for a while. And you, you um, can all, you can download it all to your iPad or your computer. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, terrific. It's, and and uh, of course, uh, again, I, I mentioned Ross Ritchie is one of my favorite people. One of my other favorite people, uh, and I think he started. I, I met him through Boom. Was uh, Chip Mosher, who is uh, one of the one of the leading guys at Comicsology. So uh, I, I get to call them out. Uh, you know, the, we have referenced two companies with people that I just think are are wonderful in comics. I mean, many people are wonderful in comics. I, Richard Starking is another one. You know, so um, oh, but um, Elephant Man. Um. Right, so talk about it's, it's there, and uh, and and then his series "Ask for Mercy" is on Comicsology uh, originals. Right, so you do pay for those individual issues, but I think some of them. I think maybe the first volume was available on Comicsology Unlimited too. So the first I, one is yes. I think you know the, it makes sense as a service, and I hate to say that because you know I do love going to sh- stores. I love adding to my stack, but on the other hand. It's a stack. Uh, you know, on the other hand, right now, um, a lot of people don't have access to shops and they want to read. And, and there's some good stuff. There's just some, you know, some terrific stuff. So, yeah, no, that was, that was well worth uh, the PSA. And so, you know, keep America strong. Read a comic. Read uh, watch a classic TV series. Catch up on some stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll, I, I don't know when we'll meet again. Don't, don't know how. Don't know when. But uh, we will. And uh, so thank you. You know, there are, I, I'm sure there are a lot of, of podcasts that are vying for your attention. And you chose this one. And, and I'm really grateful. And so, uh, once again, you can, if you'd like to any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram, all at fanboyplanet. I think that's the only thing we're on. I, I briefly toyed with the Twitch uh, you know, with, with a Twitch channel, but I didn't see the point yet. Yet, who knows? We're talking. So, uh, thank you for all of this this evening. And I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.